0: Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus, so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Welcome back to Take It or Leave It. I am so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, before we dive into our lesson, I would like to start you off with an encouragement. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 14, and it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, you will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. So the encouragement is simple. The hard times that we go through are necessary. It's like applying pressure to steel. So eventually, if you are adding pressure on all sides of steel, there's something called a yield. So the yield of steel, which is the point in which it starts to deform due to all of the stress being caused to the material itself from all of the pressure, the yield will actually increase so it can bear more. So if you put all the pressure on the steel all around it from all sides and then you release it, even though that pressure is released, that material now has an increased yield. So... That steel can now bear more load. It can bear more stress. You and I, just like the verse said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 14, which we read earlier, you and I can bear more after we have endured something in life. And God made us this way. Amen? Amen. So when we are tempted in life, because we will be tempted, when we are tempted in life, we can escape it yes we endure it but we can bear it we become strong and we bear it and we do not submit to the temptation why because we serve God we serve a great God who gives people hope and prosperity our God worries for us about our needs in life so that we can worry about the things of God in his righteousness amen surely we will experience the promises of God when we serve him and we seek him first okay children of God work hard for the kingdom and because we work hard for the kingdom we don't have to work hard for our needs in life our basic needs in life how do we pay our bills what are we going to eat what are we going to wear no the Lord makes it happen does Jesus not see the sparrow and water the lilies how much more for you and me Amen. This is our choice. It's our choice to receive the promises of God based on how we live, because those promises are not for everyone, just for those who are seriously serving. Amen. Amen. So again, today we are taking a break from discussing spiritual warfare, the armor of God, the righteousness of God, because we have celebrated the Pentecost this past Sunday. This is the seventh Sunday after resurrection of Jesus so I want to take an opportunity today uh, to revisit this teaching and to ensure that we are all aware of what this day really means and how critical it is to humanity amen so let's read I want to start in Acts chapter 1 do you know who wrote Acts chapter 1 it's Luke so it's not Paul Paul wrote a lot of the Bible but this was written by Luke and I just want to point out that Luke was a physician He was a doctor, and that's prestigious. And you don't have to be a fisherman or someone without education to serve God with your entire life. You can be a CEO, or you can be the president. Luke was a physician, so this is what Luke writes in Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to go ahead and read quickly through verses 1 to 12. And it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. And he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days in speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4. As being assembled together with them, he, so this is Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons, which the father has put his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay. So now Jesus ascends into heaven. He's made this promise to the disciples. Verse 9 Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come back in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, we did touch a little bit on this in a previous podcast, right? There's the rapture and then there's the second coming. And this is the second coming because you're going to be able to see it. Unlike the rapture, which is very quick in the blink of an eye, a twinkling of an eye, a thief in the night, you won't be able to watch that unfold. This you can watch unfold. Amen. Verse 12. Then they returned. So the disciples returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So it's interesting here because the disciples, the apostles, right? They were walking on a Sabbath day's journey. Now, they're not supposed to be working on a Sabbath. But the disciples were walking. They were moving. They weren't resting because Jesus said so. Okay. That's the difference. Jesus said so they were not under the law jesus said so they had kingdom work to do verse 13 and when they had entered they went into the upper room where they were staying peter james john and andrew philip thomas bartholomew matthew james the son of Alphaeus, and simon the zealot and judas the son of james these all continued with one accord in prayer in supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they went into the upper room, but they were not just sitting and waiting for this, you know, power to come. They were praying. They were praying. It takes work to invite the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just show up. He doesn't just show up. You can't just do nothing. Okay. And then for the sake of this teaching, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to skip verses 15 to 26. This is just about Matthias' To replace Judas and I want to focus on the Pentecost so I want to move on to Acts 2 Acts 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place okay so they're in the upper room in one accord right they're praying supplications one accord so what this means is they're of the same mind so they're not focusing on their own needs meaning they're not present physically in that room, but thinking and having their minds divided of how are they going to pay their bills? Oh, they need to, uh, go pick up some groceries. They need to stop by the market and do X, Y, and Z. No, just because people are together does not mean that they are of one mind and doing a great work. And I want you to remember that. Okay. The world might say, Hey, great things are happening here. Jesus is here. Come see the Christ here, but beware, beware. Every person must agree. If you are not, you will fail spiritually, okay? You will fail spiritually. It's better to stay home than to show up distracted and not focus on the fight that is right in front of you. You know, there's a story in the Bible where there were many soldiers, their minds were on their wives and their families at home and they were sent home. God sent them home, but God wasn't mad at them. God didn't want them to die because their mind is divided. It was better for you to go home than to die in the war. When you show up, in a place, in an appointment for God, and you are not of one mind, focused upon him and only him, it disrespects the Lord. So be one accord in one place. That is when the Holy Spirit comes, okay? Acts 2 verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So this is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard the wind? I've heard the wind. I live near an airport and I hear the wind rushing as airplanes fly overhead. And, you know, maybe that's the airplane. But I've also heard storms. Have you heard a windstorm? The wind is loud. The wind is loud. Even if you are in your vehicle and you roll your window down and you stick your hand out, you can hear the wind. Why? Why was it the sound of a mighty rushing wind? It's because the spirit is in the air and it's moving. Okay? Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So Luke is writing this as he's seeing it, okay? And that, this is what he's hearing, so he's writing it down. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, okay? So it's not them deciding, oh, I'm going to speak a different language. No, it's the Holy Spirit giving them a new utterance, a language, right? And each person had their own. So each person is saying something different, different tongues. That's what Luke saw. That's what Luke heard. That's what Luke experienced. Verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. So Luke wrote that, but Luke believed it, right? This was Asia. Israel is in Asia, not America. When you think of the time that Luke was in We can remember there's no airplanes there. People were limited with world travel. There was a lot to be discovered. So Luke thought, truly everyone is represented here. Verse 6, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So again, this is the tongues of the Holy Spirit, another language. Okay, the people were hearing this and they're confused. Verse 7, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? So they were not speaking their native language. Again, there's confusion here. The people haven't experienced this yet. Verses 8 to 13. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Alamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Crean, visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselyte, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God, so that they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this be? So what we just read here is confirmation that Luke was hearing all of these people who represent different nations that spoke different languages, they were all speaking the same language now, okay? They were all speaking Galilean. They said, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. And this is true. And this is true. And we'll talk about that later because I have a really cool testimony that supports this. And it happens. The word of God is true. Verse 13, others mocking said, they are full of new wine you see the Pentecost took place on the 50th day the seventh Sunday after the resurrection of Jesus Jesus rose on a Sunday which is the Sabbath okay that's why we have our Sabbath on a Sunday the celebration of Pentecost recognizes and celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit why is this so important for humanity which includes me and you, of course. It needed to happen to fulfill the plan of God. For humanity on this day, Pentecost, the church began. Before this, the church could not begin. When Jesus was on earth, there was no church. There were no people to trust to become the church or to guard and operate a church ministry. Not Peter, not anybody. Church began when the Holy Spirit came to earth. And why did the church finally begin? Because the Holy Spirit came into the apostles in the upper room, and the change began in them. Without this event, all the churches today would be man-made. And some today are still man-made, right? But some are ran by the Holy Spirit as they ought to be. You see, the church is the body. That's why you hear a lot, the body of Christ. The church is the body. And Jesus is the head. The church itself are Jesus' people, people for Jesus. It's a church by Jesus. Okay. And in Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So this is confirmation, right? It says my church, that's a capital M in Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus is saying, build my church. Church because if it's Jesus's church, that means it's his idea and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it So what is the rock build on the rock build on the word of God? That is your foundation if it's not on the word of God, it's going to fall It will not be successful. If you build on the rock, you are a wise builder The Bible tells us and it also mentions the gates of Hades or the gates of hell Why the gates, you know when you research this you'll learn that the best defenders are there the greatest force is at the gate to prevent someone from overtaking it. Even the most powerful portion of hell shall not prevail against Jesus' people. They remain standing. So God opens the ministry and when God opens up, no one can close it. And it doesn't matter what people say about you or your ministry or your congregation. They cannot close it. You have to kill all the people to close it. So God's work continues on. Amen. So the church began on the day of the Pentecost. There were no denominations back then, but it's clear that the church of Jesus Christ is baptized by the Holy Spirit. So every single church ought to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, because that's God's idea. You cannot write that out of the Bible. That's God's idea. Okay. And what is the purpose of the church? To equip people empowered by the Holy Spirit for ministry. In Ephesians 411 to 12, this is the purpose that can be confirmed. It can be confirmed here in this verse when we learn about spiritual gifts. And it says, and again, Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So again, I didn't just make that up. It's the word of God. You have your fivefold ministry here, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Okay, it's kingdom business. What does that mean? Equip the saints for what? Ministry. Who are the saints? Today, it ought to be you and me. If you serve the Lord according to his standard, not man's standard, the saints include you. If it is the work of God, it must be done by God through a person. Without God, it is man's work only. It can look like a godly work, but it will just remain man's. Again, so beware, don't be deceived, and be sure. You are the only one that can evaluate your heart and know where you stand and know how you're serving and if it's a just service or not, okay? The day of the Pentecost was the launch of a mission. It's so critical It was the launch of a mission where on earth, if you were baptized by the Holy Spirit, you were a missionary. Likewise today, you ought to be a missionary. You are a missionary. You are going. And these apostles were the first batch in the upper room. The promise of God was fulfilled on this day of Pentecost. I want to read in John chapter 14 about the spirit of truth. Because this is where Jesus promises another helper, okay? I'm actually going to read 15 to 18. And it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So this is Jesus talking. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come for you. Amen. This is a promise. And we know because Jesus is talking about the future. I will not leave you orphan. I will come for you. That's future. Okay. Jesus told the disciples, you know him. Who? Jesus is talking about the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit in front of him, behind him, left and right. Okay. That's where the Holy Spirit is. But the spirit is not just with you, but inside you. He will do what Jesus said. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. So the promise that the Holy Spirit would be inside happened on the day of Pentecost. Okay, that's what Luke is witnessing. That's what Luke is writing down in Acts. Why did this happen? Because Jesus is the promise keeper. Jesus is and he always will be. And this is a real feeling by God. This isn't a man made feeling, this isn't goosebumps right? There's many churches today trying to give people goosebumps. This is not goosebumps. This is a for sure thing. When you are baptized by the Holy Spirit, you are not guessing. It is felt. It is experienced like a mighty rushing wind. And we read that people even saw the result of the disciples and thought they were drunk. Why? Why did they say that? Because they themselves did not experience it. What happened to the disciples when they were baptized? Let's revisit that. So many people witnessed it. They saw the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's like being electrocuted. Have you ever been electrocuted? I have not. But if you haven't, you can never talk about your experience. Why? Because you didn't have one. With the coming of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit baptism, did Jesus tell the disciples, okay, the Holy Spirit is coming. Bring your coat. It's going to be chilly. There's this mighty rushing wind. Bring your earplugs. It's going to be loud. Don't be concerned if you start speaking a different language. No. No. Jesus didn't give them all of these warnings. The people just experienced it. It was raw. It was uncontrollable, right? They just endured it and they had the experience. The Holy Spirit overcame the people in the upper room and the people just flowed with the Holy Spirit. Okay. They flowed with the Holy Spirit, really experiencing him. This is a moment on display. It manifested in front of others like a water baptism, right? A water baptism should happen in front of many if it's done according to the standard of Jesus. Likewise, the Holy Spirit can come in front of many. And there can be tongues in front of many. And that's okay, it's God's idea. Just flow with it, welcome it. So we know there are tongues. It's clear. But beware, the demons speak tongues too. You can practice tongues so that they sound just right and to make it sound like it's from God. And that's blasphemous. You know, I have this secondhand testimony that I've never forgotten. I don't have one personally, but it does not take away from this testimony. So my pastor actually shared with me, there was a time where they traveled to Argentina. My pastor is Filipino, so he speaks a language called Tagalog. He speaks many languages, but Tagalog is his original native language. But they're in Argentina where they speak Spanish. Okay, so they're not around other Filipinos speaking Tagalog. So when they prayed over this woman and the Holy Spirit came upon her, she began speaking in Tagalog saying, I love you, God. I love you, God. But in Tagalog, she didn't know Tagalog. She was speaking in a foreign language that was given to her. The utterance was given to her by the Holy Spirit. And of course, my pastor was there to come over and confirm, Hey, I know what she's saying. That's my language, right? And God has a sense of humor because that language could only be understood by those ministering to her. Amen. Wouldn't that be so amazing to witness? I have faith that I'm going to witness that. And I hope you do too. Amen. So what is the evidence of the receipt of the Holy Spirit? So with what we read, we know that the Holy Spirit came to the disciples like a mighty Russian wind. We know that they spoke in tongues and they showed themselves to the public after this, which needs to be noted they revealed that they served jesus they no longer had to hide from the persecution of the jews they were unstoppable they became the people who would not fall to the gates of haiti and they did not fear man who can kill the body but they feared the one who can kill the body and cast their soul into hell they were living according to the one who had all authority jesus even the professor of apostle paul told the jews touch them not If this is God, you're going to be against God himself. So just let them do what they want to do. Amen. You know, in closing, those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they pour their lives to Jesus. It's natural to do that. You have a burning desire to do that. What do I mean by that? They serve Jesus unto righteousness. They want to be clean before him. They want to implement every word, every word of God into their lives. How do those who are baptized by the Holy Spirit do this? They have the power to do this because they are baptized and equipped by the Holy Spirit. That's the power that you and I both need. Those who are baptized are steadfast in the Lord, focused on Him, devoted to Him constantly, not just on Sundays. Every day. Every day, whether the door is open or closed, people can see you or not. Constant. Are you this way? Many today are ashamed to be Christians out of fear of ridicule from family, from friends. Therefore, they don't say anything. They're ashamed. They are not saved. The Holy Spirit is the guide that we all need. Without him as our guide, we're not going to be able to navigate on our own. When you serve with power from the Holy Spirit, you will seek first the kingdom of God and you will increase in spirit and decrease in this world. Remember, people of God, we are living in this world, but we are not of the world. We have a much higher calling. We have a much higher calling to serve Jesus with everything that we have. Amen. I hope you learned something today about the day of Pentecost. I hope it was a wonderful reminder and a wonderful encouragement. Aren't you so grateful that Jesus is a promise keeper? He didn't leave us orphan. And he sent us a helper that is here with us today. We can do it with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.